on to the lesson for tonight. So I hope you are uh, words. So I hope you opened to Matthew chapter six. We're actually just going to immediately read the passage. Yeah, no introduction, nothing along those lines. Just reading the passage like a normie. Okay. It's 18 to it. Wait. 16 to 18. Did I say 18 to 20? Yeah, 16 to 18. So it says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, today, we're talking about fasting. And fasting is a really interesting topic, and it's a topic that Jesus expects that Christians are going to fast, and yet, in my entire life, I have listened to thousands of sermons in my life, and in my entire life, I have only ever heard a single sermon on fasting. And I've listened to a whole lot more than one sermon a week. So if my experience is representative, it means that this might be the first and the last time you guys ever hear a lesson on this. But fasting is really important, knowing how to think about it, knowing how to do it. Because the issue is, we just read, when you're fasting, don't let people know that you're fasting. So one of the difficulties with fasting is that you look around. Bless you. <coughs> Bless you. And if you're not already fasting, if you don't already know how to do that, you're not going to look around and be like, oh yeah, that person's fasting. Because people who fast aren't showing you. If half the church showed up on a Sunday and half of them were fasting, each of them should think that they were the only one. And so it's not the kind of thing that you're just going to see Christians doing it and then you're going to be able to follow suit. It's a difficult example to follow. And so I want to take some time. We're going to go through the entire Bible and, or rather I went through the entire Bible and I looked in the Old Testament at every instance of fasting I could find. And I'm going to talk to you guys about what is fasting? Why do you do it? How do you do it? And then some practical advice on it. So first things first, what is fasting? You might be hearing the word fasting and thinking, why are we talking about running a race in youth group? Maybe you're hearing the word fasting and you're thinking to yourself, why are we talking about dieting in youth group? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer your question. So fasting is, uh, contrary to the name, is not about running quickly, nor are we talking about your diet and how to lose weight. Uh, but we are talking about a spiritual activity. So fasting is when you don't eat. And it's when you don't eat for a set period of time. If you've ever heard the word breakfast, it's called breakfast because you're breaking your fast because you hadn't been eating. Yeah, you hadn't been eating the entire time you were asleep. So fasting is when you set a period of time and for that period of time, you don't eat. So there are two kinds of fasting. There is something called dry fasting. And dry fasting is when you eat nothing and you don't drink any water. 
so not only are you not eating anything, but you're also not drinking anything. It's very, it's, it, it takes a toll on your body. And there's an example of dry fasting in Exodus 35, 28, when Moses was getting the uh, tablets of the Ten Commandments. And it says, so he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water, and he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. So Moses goes 40 days, 40 nights, no food, no water. Brutal. And then there's a second kind of fasting. Well, I mean, if it's physically not possible, then uh, someone lied when they wrote Exodus. And that's a problem. Uh, anyways, but there's a second kind of fasting. So there's dry fasting, and then there's wet fasting. Wet fasting is when you eat, or sorry, when you don't eat anything, but you still drink water. Wet fasting is nowhere near as like damaging to your body. But those are the two kinds of fasting. When Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness, it says that he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, but that he ate no food. So it doesn't specify whether or not he drank water. So we don't know if he was wet fasting or dry fasting. But fasting basically is when you don't eat. So if you've ever heard of someone doing like a social media fast, it's like, I get it. But that's not really what you're talking about when you're talking about fasting. So social media fast is like when you don't do social media for X period of time, which I'm not, you know. It's good. Yeah, it's good. I'm not foo-fooing that. I'm just saying that's not what I'm talking about when I say fasting. So on your guys' handouts, there's... <laughs> whatever. So on your guys' handouts, we've got three parts of this message. Uh, part number one, we're going to talk about why people fast. So looking over the Old Testament... I found 42 passages addressing fasting, 37 passages where someone was actually fasting, uh, and so it's 37 instances where people were fasting for a religious in, uh, reason. So the first reason that someone might fast is because they are mourning slash in distress. It is. So mourning slash in distress. This is when you're facing massive emotional turmoil. And you might be facing turmoil because someone in your family died. You might be facing turmoil because something's coming down the pipes that's brutal. Like maybe someone in your family dies. Maybe someone in your family has cancer. Or maybe there's something in your own life that's on its way that you're looking forward to that is stressing you out. This is a situation when you are emotionally having a very difficult time. So when you're in this, there's an example of this in 2 Samuel 1, 11 and 12. And this is after Saul and his sons are killed in battle. And it says, David took hold of his clothes and he tore them. And so did all the men who were with him. And they mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and for Jonathan, his son, and for the people of the Lord and for the house of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword. So this is a situation in Israel where they're not praying, they're not repenting, they're just mourning. And so we have situations like that occur nine times in the Old Testament of that 37. So notable portion. Well, okay, there's a second reason that someone might fast. And that second reason that someone might fast is prayer. And an example of this is, uh, which I should point out, there is not a single example I found in the Old Testament where someone is only fasting because of prayer. But fasting is something that you typically do along with prayer. An example is Ezra chapter 8, 21 and 23. And in Ezra, at this point, Ezra and a bunch of Israelites are in Persia. 
and then they're going from Persia to Israel. So it's this really long trip along treacherous roads where they might get robbed and they were carrying a bunch of valuable possessions. So Ezra tells the king, hey man, we are being sent by God. God's going to protect us. Here's the problem. He's about to go on a really long journey with a whole lot of people with a lot of valuable possessions in dangerous places. So Ezra 8, 21 and 23 then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him a safe journey for ourselves, our children, and all our goods. For I was ashamed to ask the king for a band of soldiers and horsemen to protect us from the enemy on the way, since we had told the king, the hand of our God is, good, is uh, for good on all who seek him, and the power of his wrath against, is against all who forsake him. So we fasted and implored our God for this, and he listened to our entreaty. So this is a situation where Ezra's like, I can't tell this guy that God's behind our back and then also ask him for a bunch of soldiers because I'm scared. But I also don't want to walk through this bandit-infested road undefended with a bunch of gold. So they fasted and they prayed. And it was something that, like, again, this is not purely prayer, but this is also kind of in the mourning and distress category. He's stressed, man. Israel is stressed. And so they fasted to pray. So that's the second one. Now, reason number three. There's mourning, there's prayer, and then... There's repentance. Don't judge me. Okay. Reason number three is that repentance. Now, like prayer, there is not a single example in the Old Testament of someone just fasting for repentance. So, you'll see that this is like a bit of a Venn diagram. Of the 37 times that someone in the Old Testament is fasting, the most common category that they're fasting is 13 times we have examples of people fasting because they're praying because they're mourning or in distress. So already you should kind of notice that mourning is a really big deal in fasting. So far, we've got 13 plus 9, 22. 22 of the 37 times someone's fasting in the Old Testament is because they're mourning or praying about mourning. That's over half. But then, and an example of that, uh, or sorry, and then behind that is uh, doing all three at the same time. So we have six examples of someone mourning about their sin and then praying to God in repentance. An example of this is in Joel chapter 2, 12 through 13, and then also skipping ahead to 17. It says, yet even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, that's repentance, with fasting and weeping and with mourning, that's mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep and say, spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach. So they're mourning over their sin. They are praying to God. They're saying, God, don't uh, forget your people. And then they're also uh, repenting. So they're mourning, prayer, repentance. And you'll notice almost all of the instances are in this one circle. Um, <clears throat> I don't have the rest of the numbers, actually. So repentance and mourning, we have one example of that in the Old Testament. That's when King Ahab is repenting in the first, first Kings? I think it's first Kings. Uh, and then we have uh, repentance and prayer. I don't remember how many that was. I think it was three. Prayer is zero. Repentance is 
zero. So looking at these statistics, you can kind of see that a lot of it is in mourning. So prayer is heavily associated with mourning. But there's one more reason that people fasted in the Old Testament, and that was for religious events. So this might be for a couple reasons. One example is in Esther chapter 9, 29 to 32, where after the book of Esther, where a non-Jew was trying to wipe out all the Jews uh, in Persia, <clears throat> and then God uses Esther to save the Jews from that situation. So at the end of that, to commemorate God's salvation of the nation of Israel, it says the letters were sent to all the Jews, this is Esther 9, 29 to 32, to the 127 providences of king, uh, the kingdom of Ahasuerus in words of peace and truth, that these days of Purim should be observed at their appointed seasons, as Mordecai the Jew and Queen Esther obligated them, and as they had obligated themselves and their offspring with regard to their fasts and their lamenting. So this is a situation where there is a religious festival going on, and so people are celebrating those religious festivals, or they're setting a time where they're going to fast, where just as a community, they're going to come and they're going to worship God. So you can worship, so you have situations where you're fasting randomly because you're in a rough situation, but you also have four situations where you're fasting because there's a specific event that you're celebrating. Now, that's in the Old Testament. So now we're going to look at the New Testament. How does fasting happen there? Well, in the New Testament, fasting still occurs, but there's an interesting addition to this group. In Luke 18, 10 to 12, it says, two men went up into the temple to pray. This is Jesus telling a parable about the publican and the tax collector, or sorry, the Pharisee and the publican. And it says, two men went into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give tithes of all that I get. So at this point in the New Testament, it's not just that you'll fast in a situation where you're in distress or you're mourning or you're repentant, or where there's some religious event going on, but people had incorporated into their lives and on a weekly basis, they would fast. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, why are we taking cues from those dang Pharisees? Uh, to which I'm going to say, let's look at Jesus. So Mark 2, 18 to 20. This is a situation. It says, now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting and the people came and said to Jesus, why do John's disciples fast and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and they will fast in that day. So, real quick, who's the bridegroom? Jesus. That's right. Jesus is referring to himself. Jesus is the bridegroom. So the reason that the disciples... What happened? The bima. The bima. Well, yep. So Jesus is the bridegroom. And so Jesus is saying, my disciples can't fast. I'm here. But when I leave, which at this point, is Jesus still here? No, <laughs> that's right. Jesus has ascended in Acts chapter one. So Jesus is not here right now. Uh, so Jesus is not here right now. And what that means is that Jesus said, after I leave, then my disciples will fast. Is this before or after Jesus has left? 
after. That's correct. So we are after that Jesus has left. So Jesus says, after I leave, my disciples will fast. That means that Jesus expects that we as Christians are going to fast. So, well, okay. So he also confirms that fasting is about mourning. He says when the bridegroom leaves, then they will fast, but they can't mourn while the bridegroom is present. So all of the categories that we had in the Old Testament, they're still intact. Well, okay. Acts 14, 23. It's not just that you fast when you're in mourning, when you're having a rough time, when you're broken over your sin, but also you're going to fast when there's something that you particularly want to seek God about. In Acts 14, 23, speaking of Paul and Barnabas, after they've been on a missionary journey through the Roman world, it says that when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So Paul and Barnabas come. They share the gospel with all these people. They establish and found churches. And then as they're on their way out and they're leaving, they are desperate for those churches to survive without them. And so before they leave, they pray and they fast. So prayer, fasting, it's something that you do to seek God's face when there's something that's bearing on you so much that you don't even want to eat. Like, I just want to say, have you guys ever been in a situation like that where there has been something that was so stressful to you that you realized after like five hours that you were hungry and you hadn't eaten? Something that you were so wrapped up in. Maybe there was a video game that you were just enjoying so much that you played it for seven hours straight and didn't take a bite. I've been there. But, right? So there's things that you fast about and it's not because you're thinking to yourself, I need to fast right now. It's because you're focused on what you're doing. And so fasting in prayer is something that's kind of like that, where if you're in a situation where you're mournful because maybe someone in your family has died, no one might need to tell you to fast. You might just do that. Maybe you're extremely stressed out about a test or you're extremely stressed out about some di- like disease or whatever. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, disease. No one is going to really have to tell you to fast. You might just do that naturally. Additionally, something that I think about is how often do we fast because of our own sin? Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. And when you're genuinely mourning, one of the things that's typically going to associate that is fasting. How broken are we as a church, as a population, as an American church about our sin? Like genuinely fasting is something that's pretty rare in the American church. Might it be because we don't care about our sin? So fasting is something that you're typically going to do naturally. Additionally, Fasting is going to be something that you do when there's something big coming down the pipes and you really need to pray about it. You might just set aside a day and you're going to say, on this day, I'm going to fast and I'm going to seek God on this issue. That might be something that you set up, maybe like a week in advance, whatever. Or you might do something similar to what the Pharisees do. Maybe not in the way they did it, but maybe you'll decide, you know, for me, I want to set aside Fridays. I had a buddy that I worked with who set aside every Tuesday and every Tuesday he fasted. And he didn't make a big deal of it. He didn't make a big show of it. But every Tuesday, I just noticed, never ate at work, never got a drink, fasted. So you can do that. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it can be a potentially very good thing. But something I want you to notice is why are they fasting? Like, yeah, we have the different reasons. Yeah, they're fasting because they're mourning. They're fasting in prayer and repentance. They're fasting for a religious festival. But whenever you fast, the reason that you're fasting isn't to lose weight. This isn't something that you're doing for a diet. The reason you're fasting isn't so you can talk to people about it and show off. This isn't for your reputation. 
the reason you fast is because you're seeking God for some reason. Maybe it's because your spirit is broken and you just want to talk to him. That might be why you fast. Maybe you're fasting because you want to set aside a time that you are going to devote to prayer and so you're fasting. All of that's good. But in every situation, when you're fasting, you're fasting for his sake. And that's it. So, uh, some application. This is going to be the end of it. But some application. Well, okay. Um, when you decide to fast, you might decide to fast weekly. You might decide that you want to fast annually. Maybe like the weekend before Easter, you decide that you want to fast on that. Maybe you might decide that you want to fast and just plan something a couple weeks ahead. Like maybe you're thinking, I've got this big decision coming up. On Thursday in two weeks, I'm going to spend that day fasting. That's all fine and dandy. In these situations, you need to remember that the point of fasting is seeking God. You're not fasting for the sake of having fasted. So the way that that works out. If you're just fasting randomly because you're mourning, you don't need to plan that. You don't need to think about that. You're fasting for a reason. But if you're setting aside a period of time, you should know two things going into your fast. Thing number one, exactly how long you're planning to fast and what kind of fast you're planning to do. Because it's very easy to be like, yeah, I think I want to fast for some amount of time. I don't know. And then maybe you were kind of thinking that you'd fast for the entire day, but then you get hungry around noon and you decide that you were only fasting for the morning. Like, have a set time that you're deciding and committing to fasting to if that's something that you want to actually plan out. Additionally, know what kind of fast. Are you just fasting from meat? Are you just fasting from soda? Are you fasting from everything? Are you doing a wet fast? Are you doing a dry fast? Going into it, you should know exactly what you're committing to, right? Secondly, knowing what you're going to seek God about. Don't just fast for no reason. Even if you're doing a weekly fast, have something going into it every week that you're praying about. Because the primary purpose of fasting is mourning, generally mourning your sin, and praying, seeking God. And so if you're going in, you're just going to be like, I'm going to be hungry for no reason, like dumb. Instead, know what you're going to pray about. Because there's a few lessons that you're going to learn from fasting. One that's very helpful, and I'm not going to go through all of them. One that's very helpful, Deuteronomy 8.3 says that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. One of the interesting things, you're going to notice, after about seven hours into a fast, uh, you're going to notice that you get a bit weaker. It gets a bit harder to focus. Your body feels frail. You start feeling irritable. You start having a hard time. God's word is like that for your soul. The same way that your body needs food, you need God. So one of the interesting things to think about when you're fasting is, wow, I can't make it a day without eating, without having some serious difficulties. How often do I go so much longer than that? Never praying or reading the Bible, never being with God. And yet God says that that's what my soul needs the same way my body needs food. Valuable lesson to learn. Second thing, when you're fasting, the point is to seek God's face. So when you have something specific that you're going to pray about, just go through your day and every time you feel hunger pains, every time you want to walk into the kitchen and eat something, that's like a little reminder, a little timer going off. It's like, oh, I need to pray about X thing. It's like I'm going into the day, I'm going into my fast because I want to pray about what school God wants me to go to, what job God wants me to apply for. I don't know, what girl God wants me to date or what guy God wants me to date once you get down to that point. Who knows? Whatever it is. And so every time you feel hunger pains, that's your reminder to stop, take a moment, and pray for a little bit before you continue on and probably pretty soon feel hunger pains again and then pray again. And then that's a way for it to make sure that you're not just being hungry for no reason. 
And finally, I want to talk to you a little bit about the way that you fast. So we're coming right back to our passage. I'm going to read it again. It says, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received the reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So whenever you do fast, don't make a show of it. Don't tell people you're fasting. And I mean, if someone looks you in the face and says, are you fasting right now? You can't really say no, because, you know, lying. So it's not to say that no one's ever going to find out, but you shouldn't be trying to let people know, and you should actively be trying to make it so that people don't find out. Because you're not fasting for their sake, you're fasting for God's. So in conclusion, you should fast. People have fasted since the times of Abraham. We have records of people fasting in the book of Job, who was a contemporary of Abraham. So people have been fasting at least since the time of Abraham, and most likely long before that. You are in a very long tradition of God followers who have been fasting. Secondly, you might fast because you're in mourning or distress. You might fast as a uh, means to set time apart and seek God. Could be any reason. In any case, fasting is something that you should do, and it is something that Jesus expects you to do, and it is something between you and God. What that means is that the Bible doesn't say how often or how long you should fast. I can't tell you anything about that. Maybe you'll fast once in your entire life and that was the number that you were supposed to hit. I don't know. It's kind of like giving in that sense. No one can tell you what percentage of your income you have to give to the church. I can't tell you how much you should fast. I can't tell you how long you should fast. And lastly, when you fast, fast to seek God. Don't let others know that you're fasting. There's an audience of one that you're playing for. So with that, hopefully that was helpful. Hopefully that was informative. Hopefully that informs your behavior over the next few years because that might be the only lesson on fasting you ever hear. But it is important. All right, let's bow our heads, pray it out. <coughs> Lord, thank you that you, that you give us ways to seek you that aren't always normal. Thank you that you have something like fasting, something that in a sense is kind of natural and in some ways is really unnatural, something that we do to seek you that has lessons built into it that we wouldn't have guessed without going and actually doing it, but also that helps us to exercise discipline, spiritual discipline and physical discipline. I pray that you would help us to be people who know how to fast and depending on health, health circumstances or anything like that, some of us might fast significantly more or significantly less than others. But for each of us, I pray that we would fast just as much as you want us to. And I pray that when we fast, we would do it in the way you want us to. And Lord, I pray these things in the name of our King Jesus Christ. Amen.